Previously on the Adventure Zone, you see a rift, beams of light, countless beams crisscrossing the walls of this chamber as it extends upward beyond uh, what you can see. And then you, Thacker, you are being whipped around the room. You're caught in just this whirlwind storm emanating from the center of the room. And right there at the center, you see a bright red sphere. Here's the plan. We're going to head up to Topside. She's going to open the portals to vent after we've distracted the FBI agents and we've gotten close to the gate. She will open them as we cross through the gate and everybody left on this side is going to fight the quell and distract it while we try to find the heart of the quell. That sound about right to everybody. I think a clever person like me may be able to find a way around those sensors. Would you like to join the Shadow Brethren or? Jesus Christ. Goodbye. The sun sinks behind the jagged remainder of Mount Kepler, casting a brief golden light over the town and river below. The streets are nearly completely vacant. The air is still and quiet as Kepler lies in wait. All throughout town, small groups of locals are preparing themselves for the battle at hand. At the hospital administration building, Muffy and Winthrop gather their shadowy cabal of night hunters, bracing them for their most ambitious hunt to date. By the wood-framed reconstruction of their ruined hideout, Hollis delivers a rousing speech to the remaining hornets. As they rally and cheer, half of the assembly mount up for their last fated ride. Keith leads the others back into the building, distributing their makeshift weapons, preparing their own defensive position. Keith hands Hollis their helmet. They embrace. Hollis mounts their bike and looks to the left. Jake Coolice nods and lowers his visor. Hollis does the same, and the pack disembarks. Ranger Juno Devine sits on the steps of City Hall, watching the empty parking lot with mounting anxiety. She stands and begins to march toward the entrance when the sound of a motor catches her attention. She turns and sees a handful of rangers riding in a truck emblazoned with an insignia, Seneca State Forest. She smiles and sees more trucks pulling in. Coombra Bow State Forest, Kanawa State, Cabway Lingo State, Panther State, Watoga State. She raised the banners for all of West Virginia's forestry services, and without exception, they have answered her call. Zeke Owens pulls into the sheriff's station parking lot, having completed his last evacuation run through town. There weren't that many folks left to evacuate. He takes a beat and looks at the empty streets at the shattered mountain above. He grits his teeth. He sees Detective Megan finishing boarding up the windows of their station. He sees Deputy Dewey hovering several feet above the roof, keeping lookout. He throws open the trunk of his cruiser and fetches the shotgun from within. And at the Cryptonomica, we see the architects of this mission begin their final preparations. Kirby sits at his computer, furiously typing out a record of the events of the last year, at least to the best of his understanding. Moira floats in the corner in quiet meditation. 
Danny speaks with Janelle and her entourage of magic wielders, shoring up the building's arcane defenses. Leo spars outside with Dr. Drake, whose skill with a blade has developed with supernatural quickness. Barclay and Minerva consult a map of Kepler, smoothing out the rough edges of the plan. And then, the Cryptonomica falls silent as the last trace of golden sunlight creeps out of the room. Duck, how do you spend your last moments before you that all That was really sort of... good, Griffin, by the Thank way. You. That was. Like that was thanks. Oh, thanks, boy. oh, thanks, boys. I also really liked picturing sunlight as, as, a, person, like as a person sneaking out of the room. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, bye. Excuse me, everybody. Just sure, step that's... out here. I'm not here to shit on your headcanon, Travis. It's like a living sun like the uh, Raisin Brand mascot. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Duck, how do you spend sort of your last uh, moments here before you all embark on your final hunt? I like to check in on, on Billy, see how he's doing, I think. He's covered in cobwebs because you all forgot about his existence. <laughs> um, I never forgot. Just didn't, wasn't, didn't, wasn't sure what he'd add. Now I'm, wondering, I'm curious. <laughs> Uh, okay, Kirby actually takes you um, uh, upstairs, up the stairs to uh, this big loft uh, uh, atop the Cryptonomica. Um, and this loft has all these like retired exhibits from downstairs, all of which are uh, just preposterously gaudy, even by Cryptonomica standards. And near the back of this room, there is a door that is cracked open. And from inside, you can see a faint light shining. And Kirby clears his throat and he says, So, um... I got. I gotta warn you. I think there's. I think there's something wrong with him. Like I don't know his physiology, but I'm just sort of taking a wild shot here that he's he's not of this world. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So like, I don't know what healthful looks like in his world, but I, I, I he doesn't leave his room at all anymore. He doesn't. He doesn't really talk. Not that he was much of a talker before. So I, I don't. I, if you go in there and you figure out some way you can help him, will you let me know? I I probably know about as good as you, but I'll I'll give it a shot. Uh, he nods and he walks back down the stairs. Hey, bud. Uh, you crack the door open wider and see inside of the room that Billy has been living in, uh, and it is it's it's really messy. It has not been uh, tended to in quite some time. There is wrappers uh, and uh, uh, a lot of takeout sort of has been uh, what he is. Is this still about on. the fact that we haven't put him in scenes recently? Is no, this like no, an no. extended <laughs> guilt trip? Is this like what happens to all characters that we don't check in on? Yeah. Uh, Pigeon is also in a, a, a big pile of, of garbage. She's like, she a, deserves whatever she gets. Yeah. All my characters are like Tamagotchis, where if you don't clean their <laughs> uh No, it's just, it is, it is what his room looks like. It is, it is filthy. And as Kirby said, like he hasn't left it in some time and you see him sitting on a beanbag chair and he's just a, a few feet away from a like old uh crt like projection tv and he is uh he's playing final fantasy 7 on it he's got a playstation hooked up and he's he's just like you know cruising his way through this this uh classic jrpg and uh he doesn't really acknowledge you as you walk into the room and uh, uh make some noise Oh yeah, is this your first time through? He uh, doesn't break eye contact with the TV. Hey, Billy, is I? I mean, have you? Is this your first time through Final Fantasy VII? He 
finally sets the controller in his lap and turns and looks up at you and it it just kind of looks like uh it it just kind of looks like Ryan uh oh fuck how come we can never remember his name Ryan Gosling uh, because he's basically he's become Billy Frost at this point. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Uh, he just looks like Ryan Gosling, right? He he doesn't look like uh, it's hard to it's hard to read any sort of discernible emotion from Ryan Gosling since it is essentially an illusory suit. Uh, and he just he just kind of nods in the affirmative. Hey, so we're um, we're gonna get into some stuff for for a little bit. Nothing you gotta worry about i guess um i don't know how to explain it there's a little bit of danger to us and sylvain and we're gonna try to you know fix everything set it right and i guess i'm just kind of worried about if we don't come back sort of what'll happen to you uh now he breaks eye contact with you again and he kind of looks down at the floor um and he stays like that for a little while, and then he reaches up and takes the wristwatch and unlatches it and slips it off. And now you see his true form, or at least the first form that you met of his, uh, and it looks wrong. His goat man form look, looks like it is falling apart and not in like a, a especially gory way. It just looks like, um, a, a, like a costume that is, you know, been eaten through by, you know, moths or whatever. It is just, it is missing pieces and it looks like it is, it could just sort of collapse at any second. Um, and he looks up at you and gives a faint smile and says, Hey, are you look uh you look a little rough, bud. Um what do you is it the water? Is it is it cuz you're not getting the special water or whatever? Uh he cocks his head when you say that and then he pauses for a moment and then he looks up at you kind of curiously and now he like kind of moves a little bit spryly. Uh, and he moves over to the television and he turns turns the TV off and he looks at you and shakes his head no. Um, and then y- you see him take his finger and uh, in, in this like thick layer of dust that is actually on the screen of this TV, uh, he draws uh, a circle and he points at the circle and then he points down at like the ground. He like gestures all around you and he looks up at your eyes for like recognition. Oh, we're doing like shreds. Okay. Um, circle down like planet Earth. Earth is it Earth? He nods. He nods. Pizza. Okay. Pizza. Pizza. Oh no, it's pizza. Shit. Okay. First word, pizza. He shakes his head again. <laughs> no, it's Earth. Pizza was just okay. Got it. Yes, Earth. Uh, and then he, on the opposite side of the screen, he takes his finger again and he draws another circle and he points away. He points out the window into the sky, and he looks the moon. He shakes his head no. <laughs> Sylvain. He, he nods now. He nods. Uh, right. And then he points okay. himself and then points back up at Sylvain and puts like an X on it. You're not from Sylvain. You're from somewhere else. <laughs> you want to blow up Sylvain? He looks at you for a long time 
like this. And he, it's like he is trying to figure out the correct answer to the question you've just asked. And you see him just sort of look down at the ground for a while and then take a deep breath. And then he looks back up, uh, he looks back up at you and then back over to the TV. And he draws a line between the two planets and like a little crude archway uh, to, to represent the gates. And he looks up at you one last time and he taps his finger on the screen near the top of it and then draws one big circle right in the center of, of that line, uh, intersecting this line that is connecting the two planets. And he takes his hand off and then sticks his finger out and points at that big circle. All right, so the, the, you're not from really either one, right? You're not from Earth and you're not from Sylvain, right? You're from someplace else along the way, like between the two? He takes a deep breath and he slowly nods his head and he's, he's not looking at you. He looks, um, he looks almost ashamed and then he points at that big circle again and nods his head. So do you need to get back to this place sort of between the worlds? Is that even possible? He looks up at you and gives a, a smile and he shakes his head no. And he starts to crawl back over to his beanbag chair um, and he, he, he turns the PlayStation back on and then he stops and looks up at you one last time and then he crawls back over to the TV and he just starts furiously drawing pairs of circles all around that center circle, each pair connected by a line that cuts through the center circle, just like dozens of these lines connecting these pairs of, of, of circles. And then he runs out of room to draw and he falls to his knees and you see in the like holes of this, this goat man appearance, you see this bright white light uh, start to pulsate from within and then it fades and he collects himself and stands up to look at you. You were never, you weren't really meant to stay here for this long, were you? He smiles and he shakes his head. No. But then he kind of looks all around the room and you see tears welling up in his eyes and he leans down to the ground and he picks up a, a, a big empty box and he points at it and he says, pizza. But you like it here, right? Like we got PlayStation and pizza and shit. You like it, but you can't really stick around, can you? He smiles and shakes his head. No. And he says, duck. You want me to, um, oh man, you want me to, uh, let, let you, let you go or he walks towards you and he leans in and he gives you a hug, which I, I, you may not have even expected him to know what that is or what it means, but he, he gives you a hug and he smiles and he very weakly stumbles back over to the beanbag chair, which he kind of collapses in. And then he turns on his game and picks it up where he left off. And then he looks up at you one last time 
and points at the screen and smiles. I take out Beacon and I um, wait until he's real engrossed in the game. And then I strike him down. And instantly his form, it it dissolves around the blade. It dissolves swiftly and uh, gracefully and he vanishes and the controller falls to the floor and when you pull your blade back you see sitting in this chair a four-armed being made out of white light and this being stands up and walks towards you for a moment and it doesn't seem to have any kind of face that you could read an emotion on it doesn't seem to uh, have much sort of discernible body language that means anything to you but it gives this deep bow hey um I, I saw you're pretty deep in um just so you know I you won't be able to finish but it turns out that um Aerith is is fine it was a big uh scam and she comes back at the end and she's fine I just didn't want you to um you know worry and Billy this forearmed being of light has already started disintegrating in into these little soft balls of light that float upwards through the ceiling and with his last moments here on earth he raises his arm and places it on your cheek and then he is gone Uh, Aubrey, what are you doing with your sort of final um, moments before the the hunt kicks off? Uh, I'm, I I think like you know there's some prep she still needs to do, but first I think you know this is a pretty big ambitious plan, but I think it's time to check in with Danny and kind of catch her up and check in on her and see yeah, what she's doing. Let's uh, let's talk about Danny because you know at, at the end of the last arc she was uh, rough. She was rough, right? She was a she was sort of the final checkmate move that the uh the this shapeshifter had against y'all. Um and she was rescued partially because of uh, Ned's heroism in the moment and Barclay's quick thinking. Um and I I don't think she has been especially great. I think especially in the aftermath, the immediate aftermath, she was pretty upset because she felt responsible for what happened. Um, how have how have things been between you and Danny since then? You know, so here's the thing, not to project onto your NPCs, right? But I have to imagine that it was fairly traumatic for a lot of reasons for right. her. That there's probably a lot of that, like, Maybe maybe Danny's distant and Aubrey's, Aubrey's trying to like act like everything's fine, but it's definitely weird. I mean, it's only been two months. I like I said, I don't want to project onto both sides, but I think that there's probably a lot of Aubrey making a lot of jokes and trying to 
like, just make everything okay again. Right. Okay. You find Danny in the back room of the Cryptonomica, uh, the former Sanctum Sanctorum, uh, and she is there with uh, Janelle and the her six associates that she brought with her uh, when they sort of tore the top off of Mount Kepler. Uh, they were trapped over on this side as well. And uh, Janelle and her associates seem to be like working on some kind of warding spell that you don't really recognize, and Danny is... Uh, uh, observing, and uh, they finish the spell as you enter, and um, uh, Janelle looks up at you, and all the all the other like magic users leave, uh, leaving you and Danny and Janelle alone in the room. Uh, and they all they all bow as they walk out. Don't do that. I uh oh weird. Don't stop. You no. <sighs> Janelle says, "I suppose it's strange to see my." Other students acting so formal, given the the tone of our relationship. Yeah, it's we. It also seems like kind of culty, like kind of like Illuminati thing. Yeah, I just. Mm. Who's to say it's not? She says. Ah, uh, Janelle. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. It is a joke. Uh, all right. Hey, Janelle. Could I have like five minutes with Danny? She smiles and looks over at Danny, and then looks back at you, and she says. I have some preparations to attend to, and she bows to you and uh, stands and walks out of the room laughing. Danny started to make her way for the door, too, until she heard you uh, talking to Janelle and saying that you wanted some time alone with her. And uh, she says, um, so does this mean you're kind of a, you know, teacher's pet? You get special privileges with Janelle? What's the... What's I think the situation? I think this is very much like a kind of stand and deliver thing where I, I I mean I've never seen it but I think I'm like the bad apple who the teacher sees potential in kind of thing. That's more my read on the situation. Um you know kind of the lovable ragamuffin that kind of deal. I think that's what's up. She um, she smiles when you say lovable ragamuffin. She says, "Yeah, I think that plays." Um Did you what did you need something? Yeah, so we have this big mission thing planned uh, back to Sylvain tonight, and I'm probably going to die. Um, so I just wanted to make sure, do you need, like, money to buy food for Dr. Bonkers? I don't know, do you have a job? Like, we've never talked about this before. How do you have money? She says, well, that's a good question now, um... Mama kind of took care of that stuff for us with her uh, artwork that she would commission from time to time. And, you know, the the meager amounts of money she would make from guest staying at Amnesty Lodge. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good question, Aubrey. And honestly, um, I don't think you're going to die. Well, I, th- I, I, I have to think that we're going to pull this off. But and I know this is selfish, but like. What I can't stop thinking about is what happens next. If we, if we succeed and you all save Sylvain, then we can all go home, right? Yes. Honestly, I haven't thought that far ahead because I'm, uh, as I have just said, expecting to die. Um, we'll see. I mean, here, listen. Yeah, Sure. That's a that's as good a plan as any, I suppose. But I don't I don't that place hasn't been my home for a long time, Aubrey. 
I don't know. I don't know what that word means anymore, as cliche as that sounds. I, do you want to move in together? Because we could probably figure that out. I don't know if now's the time to have that discussion, but we could probably work that out. I think now's maybe the perfect time to have that discussion, Aubrey. I need, I, I need to have something to get me through what we're about to do, and I think you do too. And until today, I didn't know what side of the gate I wanted to land on. And I've been thinking about it and thinking about it and being stressed about it, which like, honestly, yeah, Aubrey, I'm counting my chickens a little bit. We have a, a planet-sized malevolent force to whip first, but I have realized that I feel... I feel like I am home when I'm around you, Aubrey. And I don't mean that in a sentimental way. I literally mean it. You feel like home. So. That's nice. That was a, hey, Danny, that's a very nice thing to say. She steps closer to you and she says, I mean it. Wherever you land, that's where I'm landing to. Okay, well, now I have to live, okay? I was just... Ugh. Now I have to make plans. I still haven't done my taxes, you know what I mean? Because I was expecting to die in Sylvain. Now I've got to do my taxes, and I've got to live. She moves in and kisses you. Yeah. Aubrey kisses back. <laughs> uh, okay, fine. I will live, and then we'll go to Ikea, and we'll get some new furniture, and we'll move in. I don't know. Well, can, we- can you take Ikea furniture to Sylvain? I don't really know what the customs process is between planets. She's like tearing up with, uh, with joy. And she says, I wish, I wish I could go with you out there, but. But then who would take care of Dr. Harris Bonkers? Yeah. And also Kirby and the rest of the knuckleheads around here. Sure. But I mean, priorities. (laughs) Things are going to get pretty dangerous here. And I think the Kryptonomica Defense Force is going to need all the help it can get because saving this place it it seems like the the least i could do for for him yeah i he would appreciate hearing that and i i will also tell you what he would tell you if it comes down to it save yourself just do everything you can to protect everyone else yes absolutely but save yourself for two reasons one cuz nan knows how sad I would be if anything happened to you. And two, because Ned died saving you, and he would not want that to go to waste. So, like, protect Cryptonomica for you. Yeah, absolutely. Ned would appreciate that. But also, keep your damn self alive, because I'm sure Ned would appreciate that, too. And while you're at it, protect Dr. Harris Bonkers. She smiles and she gives you a hug and she walks for the door and she says right back at you protect Dr. Harris Bonkers? <laughs> no the other thing oh right protect myself got it We did once again figure out a way that we could pretend to kiss our brother. Yep. And yeah, we've done it a couple. We did it again. One of these days, we'll be able to tell <laughs> hey. a sh- story without pretending to kiss our brother. This time, Griffin kissed me. This I want to make that clear. Griffin kissed hey. me. Hey, folks, we don't 
We don't create a plan to pretend to kiss our brother. I've already it been working it into the next one, It just happens sometimes. It's a big so, plot point. It happens sometimes we have to pretend to kiss our brother. That's all, okay? That's all. Thacker, how, how, how do you spend your last few moments before the hunt? Um, so much of, of when he was on the other side is, is a blur to him. Like, you know, when he was overcome by the, the memories that weren't really his memories. Right. And, you know, when he was, you know, he basically blanked out for a, a period of time, you know, when he was in that storm and all that stuff is going on. And also, you know, he did get lost. I mean, he's already bragged to them that he can get us there. That he can get them there. Right. But I think he is probably doing a little research. I, I assumed when you said... um a couple episodes ago that he had found this library and had scoped out all these books. Yeah. Uh, that he had had to teach himself, you know, to, you know, he had to translate those books. I would assume they wouldn't have been in, in English. And so I think he probably brought some of them back. He had that great big backpack. And oh yeah. Didn't, and didn't take very much with him. So I think he probably grabbed as many of the books as he could possibly bring back and I think he's been kind of pouring over those books so that he can maybe answer some questions about the quill. That's great. Because they haven't really, I mean, figured out what they're going to do to the quill to get rid of it once they go over. Or and so, oh, more sort of menacingly, what the quell could do to you. Uh, right. as, as you try to seek it out. I like that a lot. I think that everything you say totally tracks. We covered that Mama brought some books back with like when she went and rescued you. And I think a lot of them were probably your journals, but I don't see any reason why, you know, a handful of them could not be books that were, you know, relevant and interesting that you, you took from this library and, you know, taught yeah. yourself this language. It doesn't seem like an archivist would leave behind books. Yeah, sure. So I think he would grab as many as he... Maybe the ones he could translate, he brought back. That That's kind of the basis. I think he's doing research in prep for the trip so that he can be as useful as possible Okay. when he... Because I honestly... I, <laughs> I've been imagining that Thacker has this weird kind of guilt going for him. I mean... He spent time somebody else's in somebody else's head, and this somebody else did some really horrible things. I mean, with those memories that he shared, where they were basically eradicating all the life from the planet. Yeah. I think that had an effect on Thacker. I think that really, you know, and he did surrender to the quell. Right? I mean, because he was all bestial and feral. Well, that's, and- that's one way of putting it, right? Like, that makes it sound like Thacker had a chance to hold out, which it, it, you know, it seemed so instantaneous that that might not have been the case. It's not like Thacker was weak willed in that moment. That's at least not no, how I had no. envisioned it. No, I don't think he was either, but I think it was just so overpowering. Yeah. So I think in some weird way, he's got a lot of associated guilt with that, even though it wasn't him that actually did those things. Okay. And so, you know, I don't think he wants to, to let everybody down. So I think he's really trying to bone up on as much info as he as he possibly can. Without bone up. <laughs> okay. So I, I, then this, I think the scene is like Thacker reading these, these uh, you know, these books that he has to translate. Maybe there's some parts that he <laughs> was in the middle of translating before he was overtaken and never quite got to finish. So maybe this is his chance to finally finish it, you know, years later. Uh, where, where are you at? Where are you envisioning this, this like final 
bit of research taking place? Um, well, let's see. They can't get to Amnesty Lodge, right? So no. The Sanctum Sanctorum is is gone. Well, no, the Sanctum um, Sanctorum is in the Cryptonomica. Yeah, no, I, I don't. Mean oh, the you mean the Sanctorum. you mean the the headquarters? Their their headquarters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's gone. Um, you know what? I think he'd be. Uh, I think he'd be outside. I think he'd be uh, in the woods someplace, not far. I mean, just by a by a creek or something, so he can think, because that's where he does his best thinking. I think he's probably got his old MacBook. They had batteries, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Not not especially beefy ones, I'd imagine. Uh, it, how about this? Cryptonomica is like pretty much right on the riverbank, so maybe you just like hike into the woods. Uh, just a little bit off to the west there, and find a comfy place to sit on the riverbank and sort of watch yeah. the watch the sunset go down as you. I imagine go there's like books. a picnic table kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. You know the outdoor. He's got the books all spread out on the picnic table. He's got the MacBook open, sure. and and he's just really in 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 involved in it. Okay. Uh, why don't you? Why don't we uh, roll to investigate a mystery? I think that's the best way to probably do this. Although, tell me because I am not as familiar with your playbook. Is there? You are the the searcher, right? I imagine that there are right. probably some some pretty juicy moves that you've got that there, address this. Actually, instead of investigate a mystery, uh, the searcher has a thing called psychic event. Where his mind is awakened, or her mind is awakened, uh, and so you use the the sensitive, and the sensitive opens your brain to this environment, and uh, depending on your role, um, you you get information on on a psychic level. Okay, um, I like that. I, I, we haven't like advanced. Uh, Thacker at all so I will say like his connection with this thing lasted so long that you would probably also have advanced sensitive which would trigger if you get a 12 or more on your roll uh, and would give you like more more data uh, but yeah uh, I think I think that makes a lot of sense for what you're doing so maybe it doesn't have anything to do with the books at all it's just like reading these books puts you in this like um, unfocused state that makes it easy for this kind of psychic event to take place so yeah uh, and i think he's also inspired by the environment i think that's you know it's almost like you know he he has a moment of zen okay yeah okay why don't you roll plus weird and we'll see what happens okay that is an eight plus two for weird that is a 10. That is a full success, which is good, because I had a really, really nasty hard move to do on you for this one. It's, it says def, definite impression, uh, some kind of vision or a tangible aura. Okay, this is, this or, is what or happens. Or an overheard thought. Okay. You are reading your books, and you are sitting by the sound of the river, sitting by the river, and the, the light disappears as the sun sets behind Mount Kepler, and... Uh, you just hear the, 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 the rushing of the water and it is giving you just this really just pleasant, disarming white noise and you are just sort of lost in this book you're reading and all of those things together are enough to just put you in this very, very um, open and somewhat enlightened but also super vulnerable mental state. And as you enter that state, just all of a sudden, like a bolt of lightning, you're, you feel the quell. And you not only like feel the quell, you feel like you are locked in combat with it in some way. You feel yourself trying to 
uh, and this is new for you, but just trying to think more powerfully than the quell. You feel like um, just as you are trying to learn about it, you feel like it is also trying to reach into your mind and figure out what you are planning. But after a, a, a few seconds of this, it's so brief, you feel the the relief as the quell sort of gives in. And then you have this psychic vision and you you see the quell. You see all of it. Um, you see it like a, a, a heart attached to these like these veins and capillaries reaching all over the the, the body of this planet. And um, in seeing it, in seeing the fullness of it, you get uh, an instant impression of what is headed your way. You know what is going to come through the the rifts when uh, when when Minerva opens them up. Uh, the quell isn't just like this uh, intangible thing that controls Sylvans and apparently humans too, uh, and sort of blights them and turns them into these mindless killing machines. Um, it has another form, and you can see it now in in this vision. Uh, it, it takes the form of this like st- storm, like a rage-filled cloud that can move anywhere through anything, uh, and and it carries with it the the quell given form. And you see these shapes in the cloud these these bright blood red, like some of them are these four legged shrieking beasts, and some of them are just these disembodied clawed hands. Uh, some of them are just these massive just. Uh, uh, piles of of dripping living like plasma and these manifestations of the quell are the tip of the spear and they are what you expect will be sort of piercing through the gate when things get going so that's that's what you see of the quell you see the 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 shock troopers that are going to come through when you all try to make your way into sylvain um and the vision starts to fade but as it does, you follow one of these these veins that I mentioned before, and you follow it into the city, into Sylvain, and you fly down sort of the main drag there over the crystal and towards the, the castle at the center of town, and then you're inside the castle and through the royal chambers and behind the royal chambers, and there is this secret elevator in the ground. Uh, underneath this this crest of Sylvain and down below that is this huge open chamber where you can see the remnants of the crystal of Sylvain hanging downward and below that is just this huge black void, this huge empty pit and then your perspective changes as if you just jumped into this void and you go down and down and as you feel like you're about to, you know, hit, hit something and die you see the bright red heart of the quell and then you fall forward, nearly just just catching yourself just moments before you tumble into the river and you are back. Holy shit. Okay. Ah. Okay, so that, is, that had nothing to do with peyote. <laughs> as far as you know. As far as I know. Well, all right. Mission accomplished. I think I need to... Uh, Tell the others that there is a hell of a lot of hell coming our way. Hey everybody, this is Griffin McRoy, your dungeon master, your best friend, and the head coach of your softball team that you're on called the 
Ball Hitters. This is episode 30-something of the Adventure Zone Amnesty, and uh, I am so glad that you have joined us and so glad that you've um, uh, gifted us with your patience as we run a little bit late on this one. Uh, Things got a little bit wild when uh, we released our book, uh, The Murder on the Rockport Limited, uh, graphic novel adaptation, which thanks to you once again hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list. It's an unbelievable honor, uh, and it's all because of you. Like we we didn't go out there and buy a bunch of copies of the book. Uh, we just made the dang thing, and um, your your support has uh, just done it done it again, done something unbelievable in our lives, and we are so eternally grateful for it. We have an aura frame here at our house, and we primarily use it to show pictures of our kids and the fun stuff that we do. And my favorite thing about it is that it's so easy to upload pictures on that as soon as we get home from doing something fun, we just immediately put the pictures up there so we don't forget to do it. You know, because I, I've tried, we try to do picture frames and stuff in the past, and then we never remember to put them on. But with Aura, it's so easy to load it up that it has become kind of a, a digital scrapbook more than anything else. So if you have been looking to get the pictures that are trapped in your phone and set them free in a way that other people can see them, might I recommend Aura Frames. They're stylish, they're easy to use, you're gonna love it. And it was named the number one digital picture frame by Wirecutter, and for a good reason. It's so easy to set up, and they have different frame options, all kinds. And the best part is it comes with unlimited storage. So right now you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frames with code ADVENTURE. That's A-U-R-A frames.com promo code ADVENTURE. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it's me, the internet's Travis McRoy. Yes, that's right. Powerful influencer, Travis McRoy. You know, people are always asking me, Travis... How did you become such a powerful influencer in the world? Well, I'll let you in on my secret. It's Squarespace. Yes, that's right. Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Your products, content you create, or even your time. What? What influencer doesn't do that? I ask you. I'll wait. That's right. None of them. They all do that, and you can do it with Squarespace. Okay, here's uh, just as an aside. You can also use Squarespace even if you're uh, not an influencer, um, and even if the idea of being an influencer uh, makes you throw up a little bit in your mouth, don't worry, Squarespace is still useful. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Start with the best-in-class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. With Squarespace scheduling, clients can quickly view your availability and book their own reservations, appointments, or classes, and you can sell products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools for you. So go to squarespace.com adventure for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code ADVENTURE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Chicago! We're coming to you. We're coming for you. We're coming at you. And we're also coming to C2E2. And we're doing live shows. All a bunch of stuff in April. April 24th, we're going to be doing My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is nearly sold out. And Taz, which is selling out fast. So do not wait. 
April 25th is Taz. April 24th is my brother, my brother, and me. April 26th through the 28th, we're doing C2E2 schedule to be announced. You can get your C2E2 badges now, but you do not need a badge to attend the live shows. Tickets for those shows are on sale at bit.ly slash Tours. All the information's there. Go check it out. Also, we've got a newsletter in case you've been wondering what's the best way to keep up with our new tour dates and announcements and stuff like that, go to bit.ly slash newsletter. And of course, check out all of the merch over at macroymerch.com. A lot of great stuff. Fungalore sticker pack, um, naming of the year poster. Uh, we've got the little sailor man pin and 10% of all proceeds this month go to the foundation for black women's wellness. So go check it out. Macroymerch.com. And now back to the show. Thank you to everybody who's been tweeting about our show as we uh, move through the finale arc here uh, using the the Zonecast hashtag. Uh, it really means a lot, and uh, this is such a sort of hectic, <laughs> a hectic time for all of us. Not just because of the book, but also because the you know the wrapping this story up is is you know pretty stressful. And we're hoping that we do a good job. And so all of your support and sharing it and telling all your friends about it, uh, it 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 really means a lot. And we could not do it without you. Uh, thanks to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Go to MaximumFun.org and check out all the great shows there. They have shows like Switchblade Sisters and Beef and Dairy Network and Stop Podcasting Yourself. Uh, a bunch of shows all at MaximumFun.org. We have other stuff at McElroy.family. Um, you can get our new graphic novel at TheAdventureZoneComic.com. Uh, and it, it, again, a lot of you have already done that. So if you have, no pressure. Please, you've, you've, you've done enough. God, God, we're already dead. Um, but yeah, if you haven't read it, you might like it. Uh, and I don't know. I don't really have too much else to say. It's a pretty casual, uh, ad spot this time. I feel like, um, thanks to everybody who came out to our premiere of Dadlands, uh, out, out at San Diego Comic-Con with our special guest DM, Brennan Lee Mulligan. Uh, we are going to be putting Dadlands and, uh, Taz Hootenanny up after we wrap up Amnesty to give us a little bit of break before our next, uh, thing, which you're already sort of working on. So we're excited to tell you more about that once we are ready to. Uh, but let's not, you know, count our chickens. Let's get right back into episode 32. I remembered episode 32 of the Adventure Zone Amnesty, and we will be back next week, uh, getting us back on schedule for episode 33. So talk to you then. Bye. It is 8.30 p.m. Night has fallen over Kepler, and it is time for the operation to begin. The five satellite teams are in place, and they are ready to defend their respective rifts, now armed with the knowledge that uh, Thacker obtained from his psychic vision. Um, But before any of that... It's a bunch of drippy red hands and... um and shit. Okay. Yes, with that, with that uh, 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 combat insight, they uh, will be better equipped to defend themselves. Um, but before any of that can happen, uh, the away team will need to breach topside uh, and will be counting on Hollis and uh, the, some of the Hornets to run a distraction. That away team... Uh, are the people who have not sort of been assigned to these different satellite teams. They are the three of you, obviously. Uh, the three other chosen uh, are, are there. Minerva and Dr. Drake and Leo are going with you up to topside. 
uh, as well as Janelle, uh, who has left her her uh, entourage behind to help defend the different points, uh, and Barclay, who just like would not take no for an answer, wants to go find Mama. That's where sort of his loyalties lie. So it's the eight of you. Uh, heading up to topside. Before we do that, like this is there's one sort of part of the plan that we haven't exactly settled on, and now's the time to do it. You kind of have two means that we've established of going up to topside, um, and and you assume like once you get up there, there will be more barriers between you and the 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 archway and the the FBI sort of installation. Um, but you have two means of just getting to topside in the first place. The first is the funicular tram, which is, you know, it is manned by an armed guard. Um, that is the sort of obstacle there. Uh, or Juno has sort of given you a map of the woods that are, uh, the woods are just peppered with these sensors that Juno divine has given you kind of a rough approximation of their location. Um, regardless of like whichever side you go in from, the Hornets will be able to run distraction at your signal. They're awaiting um, probably like a flare from Aubrey, if that sounds good to yeah, y'all. Be- sure. be- yeah, before they start stunting. Uh, so whichever way you go, you, you know, they, they will be ready to help you out whenever you need it. Uh, but yeah, you have these two options, the funicular or a trek through the woods. Which one... Is I the thought we settled on the funicular last time. That in we were gonna like knock the guard out. So just just to let you guys in on some some stuff that we didn't really cover in the last episode. Last episode, I had this list of sort of like assets that could be helpful to you on this final hunt, depending on like which ones you prioritized. You would either learn new things or have more people that could come and help you out, or you would be sort of locked out from other people that could help you out. In getting Juno Divine on your side, you kind of her bonus was that you have a secondary way to breach topside if you so choose, which isn't to say that it will be necessarily safer or more reliable it just gives you kind of another option so the funicular is still on the table or you know once once thacker came back and told you all the situation and you probably did circle up with with juno at some point especially duck uh you you now have this other option too gotcha thacker what do you think uh you know listen you know i i have never trusted that that big tin can thing i remember an old james bond movie where there was people in like a Finicular train and nailed it. it. It, I mean, it did not go well. Um, I, hey, all oh, man, did you see Skyfall? Yeah, were you out oh, for that? Yeah, no, 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 uh, yeah, that was one of the last movies uh, we saw it at the drive in before the uh, oh, before cool. the Kepler right. uh, drive in closed down. <laughs> I think they following the chronology, a funicular thing in uh, in the Kingsman 2. Yes, I think. Oh, Kingsman! Don't know that. That was a that was a uh, a ropeway. That's different. But uh, mm. also, I don't think I think with the chronology we've set up, maybe you got like an early screener five years early or so of Skyfall. Um, uh, sorry to interrupt. This is Griffin. I'm leaving the scene again. Whoop. Hey, listen, Woods. Woods works for me. If y'all think we can get there in time, I mean, we're gonna have to keep a pretty brisk pace if if we're gonna go through the trees and. You know, I I only I mean maybe we can get machetes for the rest of you, but I'll be doing most of the brush cutting. So, if we're gonna do the woods, we probably ought to shake a tail feather. Listen, I just my vote. I say we do the woods because the funicular has opportunities to go wrong, whereas the woods is just a trek. You know what I mean? Like as long as we hoof it, very little can go wrong walking there. Like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just uh, jump cut to you all being destroyed by bears and, and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, yeah, let's do it. Okay, 
Let's do I it. I think that's a consensus. The the eight of you are uh, trekking through the woods, and uh, you got a little headlamp looking down at this map that Juno's uh, drawn, like these circled areas showing where she saw these FBI technicians installing these these sensors. And uh, Thacker and Duck, like, no fucking question about it. Like, following this map and what you know about... I'm not even going to make you roll for it. Like, there is no way that the two of you, your your expertise combined, could fuck this up. Uh, so you find your way, you know, ar- around these uh, circles, and you have a pretty clear, easy trek through the woods. Um, I don't even think it takes you especially long. Um, and... You reach this clearing that a creek is cutting through, and just at the other end of it is a fence. It is uh, an eight-foot-tall chain-link fence with this tall spiral of barbed wire on top of it. And it just, like, it spreads out and goes as far as the eye can see in either direction. Uh, And, like, every four uh, poles or so, there's a camera pointed downward at the ground uh, in in front of the fence. Um, And beyond the fence, through the tree line, uh, you can see some faint lights shining. Uh, Obviously, this fence was not here before. Uh, This is part of the FBI's sort of protection of their installation. Uh, What does your party do? Based on what we know, Ditto, how far is the... Uh, fence that we're at currently from the gate. Okay, like I'll give you that. How much distance will we have to cover? Yeah, I mean, it's it is. You still have some some distance to cover. The FBI have been pretty um, uh, sort of liberal with their their how much of the top side they have kind of occupied uh, around the archway. Uh, the, you are you are some ways off from it still, so you don't know like exactly. Um, you know what? Actually, Duck would know. You are some ways away from the uh, from the installation because you saw the installation in your vision, and you know that you are you are you still have some distance to go. Do we see any cameras? Let's out roll. How about that? Okay, yeah. If yeah, you want to read about the situation, I thought we already saw them. Do we see cameras? Uh, you do, but it, I mean, still, it's a it is a bad situation. So, if any of you want to roll to, mm. that is a five from that is Aubrey. A five. Uh, plus sharp. Plus sharp. It's only a six total. Uh, it looks okay to you. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, well, that's not. Uh, it's not a perception check. I will fuck with you if you fail. So Thacker or Duck, do you want to help out? I'll, I'll help out or roll. Uh, you would tell me how you are helping out and then roll. Then could Thacker could Thacker not do the same thing? Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think you could be. I think you could be doing like the same thing. Okay. Whoa, yeah. Uh, an 11 plus 2, that's a 13. Well, it'd be plus cool, because uh, that's what you roll to help out. Then that's a 10. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, that's a complete success. That would add 1 to Aubrey's roll, bring it up to a mixed success. Uh, uh, cool. Yes, so you get to uh, ask a question, I believe, Yes. from the list. I have, a, I have a lot of rules documents open right now. This uh, this expansion, this Tome of Mysteries is fucking badass, but it's also, I'm out of screen real estate to house it. Uh, you get to hold one. Yes, you get to ask one question. Okay, I'm going to ask, well, what's the best way in? I'm trying to see if there is, from the angles the camera is pointing, if there is an approach that would avoid getting spotted. The cameras are uh, panning back and forth, and you... Um, you you're able to sort of track a route that would get you like to the fence and if you like line your back up to the fence you might be able to avoid detection 
but uh, you you get the sense that uh, that that is kind of a risky maneuver, and that the like the the viewing angles on these things are pretty pretty bodacious. So uh, that that is what you've got. If you want to try and do this, all eight of you would have to do it, unless you have some other idea. Um, but you can get to the camera if if you if you roll, I think, well enough. Well, here, okay. So here's the thing: <laughs> I could probably short out the camera or destroy the camera, which is probably going to bring people here, but maybe not at the speed if they see the eight of us sneaking. Maybe they'll just send like a technician out, you know, and we will have time to then get from here to there by the time somebody gets here to check out the camera. I could cut the cameras with my sword. Okay, Minerva. Okay. I'm just saying... They no, look we could pretty all flimsy. Do, yes, we could all do things, Minerva. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I could cut the cameras with I have a sword too, Minerva, but you got to understand the way these things work. Like, that's going to set off some alarm bells. You have any, uh, like, uh, magic potions that make people invisible there? Yeah. No. Po- no. Wait, how, am I, how am I supposed to know? You do all the other magic? Yeah, but I've never, I, potions aren't real. Just magic magic is real. Come on. Oh. Some some my bad my bad. Some potions. Some potions are real. But that's okay, not Janelle. it doesn't yeah, I know. It's there's no effect on our current situation. Okay. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna knock out the camera. Okay. I'm gonna use magic. I don't feel good about it. Whoops. Oh nosy. Uh oh boy. So that was Howdy, a four, this which a... would normally be plus three, but you have a minus one ongoing, yeah, so that's a six. Which is, uh, let me check the math, a complete failure. Yeah, unless you all can sort of... Okay, so I help out, and I reach into my coat, I'm like, don't forget to always use this, your special <laughs> wand that well, I Janelle's had. there, can Janelle help out? I mean, technically NPCs can't help out, but Janelle is so, like... Uh, uh, connected to you and your magical ways like I do and you all have like done stuff together before including reviving Thacker that I don't I think she would see you struggling and help out I just don't know how to resolve that because I don't want to roll so I'll, I can roll for her roll again for her to help out and oh my god it's another four but she it's does actually actually exactly <laughs> she's got a plus n- no man that is a that is a failure on you and Janelle now uh I'm going to take a hard move here. You zap the cameras and instantly uh, these these red lights lining the fence uh, on the ground, these like little pylons, uh, they stick up and illuminate and all of the other cameras now zip towards the the fallen camera that you have you have blasted you and uh, Janelle have blasted with your your magic. Uh, what do you do? Whoops. So they're, but they're all like elevated, right? We couldn't like reach. Right, those. they are eight feet uh, plus change off the ground. Are they being operated manually by somebody, or is it just like a motion detection kind of thing? Let me, Griffin, now say the point of you giving a shit about sneaking past these cameras is now over because they have you have failed to set off the alarm and the cameras see you. So like, you, I don't think you necessarily can put the genie back in this proverbial bottle. But they seem to be, Aubrey hit it. They seem yep. to be autonomous. Aubrey fires up that flare. Uh, okay. You all, see, this has gone so so bad so quickly. 
I'm not going to make you roll to <laughs> to use magic on this. No, this would... maybe it's a literal flare, Griffin. Oh, okay, I see. So it's not a magic flare. It's a, a flare gun that you had because you why? are about... Yes, you know why? I don't want Aubrey to become too dependent on magic or shit like this. I could have thrown a rock at the fucking yeah. camera and Janelle... it would have gone better. Janelle looks at you and is like, that one should have been a layup. Um, and you hear alarms going off and um, you Janelle you a hear... big basketball fan? Yeah, now she is. And you hear uh you hear engines start up like way, way off in the distance, not motorbike engines, but uh uh some some other kind of uh, uh FBI vehicle, you assume. And so you lift your flare gun into the air and you fire it. And it sails upward and arcs and comes down and you don't see it anymore. What do you do now? There's probably been something where we've set up like when you see the flare a five count and go or something. So being, I, I would wait and see if we hear something else. <laughs> I'd start running. Fuck, come on, let's keep doing momentum. Yeah, okay, fine. Like, Bar- let's, let's fucking go. Hey, Barclay, won't you uh, hurry up and tear that sucker down? There are he still says, cameras. What could it be worse? What do you think cameras are? They have cameras are, image. He says, cameras are seeing us already. Just knock the damn fence down. He says, yeah, camera time's over. And he slips off his bracelet and just charges through the chain link fence like it is tissue paper. Hey, we got us a tank. Hey, <laughs> all right, let's fucking go. And he yeah, running. starts sprinting forward. Uh, okay, the eight of you take off into the woods. You hear the sounds of the alarms behind you, uh, you know, fading into the distance. Um, and you you run and you're following Barclay's lead as he sort of he sort of knocks out the brush for you with his his massive Bigfoot frame. And then he Sunday, 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 Bigfoot. He's got, like, <laughs> and then he, he's got his massive frame. And then he um, he stops. And the eight of you almost sort of like, I guess the seven of you pile up in a comedic cartoonish way and you realize why, why he has stopped. You realize sort of, um, you realize the source of the lights that you all were chasing. Your eyes adjust and there's Amnesty Lodge. And you, you all have never seen it like you're seeing it right now. It is, it is lifeless and unkempt. Um, and... In fact, like this is the first time you realize just how old this building must be uh, without the people dwelling inside of it. It looks like nothing special. Uh, the roof needs patching. The paint's chipping away. The windows look like stained and non-functional, but, uh, but the sign is still there. And Barclay walks over and he puts a hand on it. And uh, even in his Bigfoot form, you see that uh, tears start to well a bit in his eyes. Big, big guy, I promise. Once this is over, new coat of paint, and we're back. But I think it's time to keep moving. He says, yeah, I guess no matter what happens, I, <laughs> I guess Amnesty Lodge has served its purpose. Let's, let's go. And then you all hear a voice from the other side of the lodge shout, Hands! Hands! Now! Hands where I can see them! And you see a guard... Uh, with a rifle braced on his hip, uh, pointing at you, and he he's reaching for a radio on his belt. Uh, I tackle him. Okay, roll to kick some ass. I'll kick the poor guy's ass. Kick his ass, Justin. Kick his ass, Justin. That's a six plus two, so it's eight. Okay, that's a mixed success. Uh, deal some deal some damage to him, and he will deal some to you. 
Uh, okay. Um, I guess we're doing plus two. Is is from Beacon? Well, uh, from yeah, Beacon. you're not doing Beacon. I think. Uh, I think. I think you're. That would be overzealous. Yeah, I think killing this man. I, I think like your natural toughness, your your natural sort of big boy tough armor would just also translate to like you fucking hurt people when you go tackling into them. So I think this would be too too harm. Too harm. And uh, as as he as you like tackle into him, I think he also just like gets the butt of his gun into your chin, and uh, you you take one harm, but not. Uh, and you roll to the ground, and he comes crashing down to the ground just as he was pulling the radio up to his lips, and he has been incapacitated. Um, he's and dead? No, he's. Right. He, no, that's not what incapacitated means. I uh, I pick up the radio and put it on my belt. Okay. Uh, you hear a voice say, uh, Harper, Harper, come in. Harper, was that you? Where are you, bud? Um, <laughs> yep, it's Tarpo, uh, all, <laughs> y'all hearing this? <laughs> the, com- the radio break up, radio break up, <laughs> smashed it. <laughs> Smash it. <laughs> <Smashed> on the ground. <laughs> Nailed it. You all see another Oscar worthy performance from Duck Newton. You all see these powerful, bright flashlights um, swinging and these loud voices shouting uh, directions, calling for Harper as backup heads your way. And then. The stillness that is blanketing Kepler tonight is torn apart with the simultaneous ignition of a dozen motorbike engines. And you see these flashlights now start to like peel off and look around for the source of this this noise breaking formation. Uh, And that noise is growing louder and more furious with each passing second. And you see like silhouettes of these guards uh, catching each other in, in their flashlights. And you see them trying to take aim at shadows that you can now see sort of soaring through gaps in the tree line and then 12 headlights illuminate all at once and they slip in formation down the far bank of a creek and then launch out of the opposite side the moon illuminates the trajectory of the hornet's last flight MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hi, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Graham. And we're two house DJs who have been trapped inside our drum machine. We love it here, and we'd love if you stopped by and visited us every week on Stop Stop Podcasting Podcasting Yourself yourself. here on MaximumFun.org. We're just a couple of doofuses from Canada. And listen to our show or perish. Stop podcasting yourself on MaximumFun.org. Hey, James. 
James. Hey, Nike. Well, what we doing, girl? We are inviting the awesome listeners of Maximum Fun to join us at Minority Corner. Ooh, fun. But you know how we go on Tangent City. We're the joint mayors. We're not going to do that, okay? Soup's focus. Okay, so Minority Corner is where you can all come and get your pop culture taste. Plus, social commentary, news, and TV movie reactions like Avengers Endgame. No spoilers here. Ooh, snap. Sometimes we dig into the vaults and we review and recap those movies you missed. Gonna you, Halle Berry's kidnapped. I love how she always gives 1,000%. Like Beyonce. Did you see Homecoming on Netflix? She was burning it down like the mother of dragons. Have you seen the latest Game of Thrones? So good. Only thing missing? More, More black, black people. people. What do you think about Mayor Pete? Wait a minute, James. We went on a tangent. Yes. Ah, well. Join us every Friday for more tangents. On Maximum Fun.